0: The Brazilian Creative Learning Network started as a dream. Léo Bird, who is a researcher
1: at the lifelong kindergarten group at MIT Media Lab. We began the work with the first cohort of nine municipal and one state level secretaries of education that together have more than 460,000 students in our target age for this program.
2: Having this time to learn through play, and we know that, that students need that. It's just a natural part of, the, of learning.
3: Welcome back to the Participate podcast. I'm Julie Kane, Chief Learning Officer of Participate. On today's podcast, we will talk to the amazing team at the Brazilian Creative Learning Network, BCLN, supported by the Lehman Foundation. BCLN has extensive experience transforming public schools in Brazil and is now partnering with the Lego Foundation to bring playful learning to school systems throughout the country through the Creative Schools Programme. BCLN's movement believes in transforming schools into a more engaging environment for teachers, students, and the community through a more hands-on and playful approach using a range of technological and non-technological tools and methods. Participate is supporting the initiative with an online community of practice, Tinkerspace, that brings together a diverse group of partner organizations across the globe dedicated to the LEGO Foundation's goal of supporting learning through play. So before jumping into our conversation today, we wanted to introduce Kim Murfit, my wonderful colleague and education strategist who supports our partners through different initiatives from folks in K-12 schools to workforce development to this great initiative that we're going to hear more about today. And she has been supporting this initiative from the Participate team. So hi, Kim. Hi, Julie. So Kim, I'm so glad you were able to join us today and sort of give us a little bit of context about this project before we dive into our conversation with the folks at BCLN. So can you tell us a little bit more
2: about this initiative and the other programs that are participating? Sure, Julie. Well, I'm so impressed with the Creative Schools Program working in Brazil, and I'm, I'm excited about the work happening in the other programs that are part of this initiative as well. And the members in this um, community practice are aligning around shared goals and aspirations to strengthen education systems, and it's truly a learning partnership. Mm-hmm. And as we know, things look completely different than they did prior to the pandemic. So many organizations, I mean, everywhere <laughs> are having to think creatively about the ways that they're approaching projects and working Mm -hmm. with others. And especially during times when it's not possible to be, to be physically together. Yeah. So there's had to be a great deal of flexibility, iteration, creative thinking. So that's, that's also been a part of this, this initiative as well. Mm -hmm. And having the opportunity to work collaboratively towards the common goals and really, lean in on thought partnership has been imperative so these members are exchanging knowledge and insights and good practices as they work along but they're also gaining so much from being able to collaborate around the challenges and lessons learned from the diverse national context that they're working within while there certainly are commonalities Things can look so different from one place to another.
3: So can you talk a little bit about the projects itself, right? So everyone is sort of focused on the importance of play.
2: Absolutely. You know, and um, technology is a part of that, but mm-hmm. you know, sometimes sometimes it's not the only focus. But you know, having this time to learn through play, and we know that that students need that. It's just a natural part of the of learning. And that's not necessarily a part of of the learning process everywhere Mm -hmm. and there has been an amazing work happening with k-play project in kenya the Plug and Play program in Rwanda, and Play at Heart program in Denmark. That's so cool. Yeah, it's great to see these projects move from the inception to implementation phase, and it's going to be wonderful to watch their progress. So I hope we can share more from these programs at a later date as well.
3: Oh, we would really love that and love to have you and these other projects back on the program. Okay, thanks so much, Kim, and we're going to get started with our conversation with BCLN, so stay tuned. Today, I'm going to be talking to two incredible folks that we are working with, and they are leading the charge at the Brazilian Creative Learning Network, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Gabriela?
1: Thank you, Julie. I'm Gabriela Brighieri. I am the Creative Schools Program Manager, and I'm speaking from Sao Paulo, Brazil.
3: Anne? Hi,
0: Julie. I'm Anne Anne Berger-Valenti, and I'm a researcher at the... Lifelong Kindergarten Group at the MIT Media Lab, and I'm also coordinator of the research and innovation area of the Brazilian Creative Learning Network.
3: That is fantastic. I am so excited for this conversation. So we're just going to really just dive in. Can you please tell us a little bit about the history of the Brazilian Creative Learning Network? The Brazilian Creative Learning Network started as a
0: dream of Leo Bird, who is a researcher at the uh, Lifelong Kindergarten group at MIT Media Lab, and many years ago he had this dream of creating a network of creative, uh, innovative, industrious Brazil- people throughout Brazil, and in mid 2014. The Lemon Foundation approached MIT wanting to bring Scratch programming language to Brazil and to the uh, school systems in Brazil. And so Mitchell Resnick, the head of the Lifelong Kindergarten, said, Oh, we have a doctoral student here, <laughs> uh, Lel Bird, and who's our researcher, why don't you go and talk to him? And Leo said, okay, we can take scratch to Brazil, but we could do something much more innovative. And that would be to find out what Brazilians are doing in terms of creative learning throughout the country identify these innovative people, bring them together, give them support, and develop a network. And that's how the idea basically started. And the initial uh, initiatives were a fellowship program where uh, a few dozen uh, innovators were selected, They came to MIT, they got to see a lot of innovative places and schools and learning centers in Boston. And then they went back to Brazil and they developed their programs. And this fellowship program uh, continued over several years. And during this process, they began to uh, offer events, uh, meetups, uh, different types of Encounters where people could come together locally and discuss the ideas of scratch and uh, creative learning. And uh, they started to develop kind of formal events, which we call festivals of innovation and creativity. call them ficis in Portuguese. And these are meetings of people, gatherings of people, bringing people together, but it's not just a show-and-tell. It's where people can come together and play together, work together, have hands-on experiences together, and as they're working on a project many ideas come out, many new ideas as you're sharing with your peers. And so the festivals really incorporate some of the basic ideas of creative learning, um, which we call the four P's of creative learning. Projects, passion, peers, and play. So over the years, uh, these events have grown. The fellowship grew. The number of members grew went from original this serve of 30 people, we now have over 4,000 people in our network. And um, up until the COVID pandemic, we had regular uh, face-to-face encounters where we could bring people together in national events and local events. The network is organized in nucleuses or hubs, um, we have over almost, I think, 24 nucleuses around in all areas of the country. That's and great. these bring people together to talk about creative learning. One of the things that we found in this work over uh, four or five years was that a lot of what we were doing was informal learning. There were people who were working in classrooms, but not in a systematic fashion. Um, and a lot of the work was in informal after school or maker spaces. Or we really weren't inside the mainstream educational system. And without support, without institutional support, although these people were doing fantastic projects it just didn't stick, it didn't grow, it didn't have the sustainability and the scalability that we needed to make the Brazilian Creative Learning Network stronger and to legitimatize the ideas of creative learning. So, around 2019, we decided we really need to start talking with institutions the most important institution for education are the secretaries of education. So um, in 2020, we did uh, that fellowship program in 2020, involved secretaries of education instead of individuals. Not instead of individuals, but secretaries of education, where the secretaries of education along with the creative individuals, would write a proposal. So the Secretary of Education had to assume authorship of that program. And that was the seed for the LEGO, our proposal for the LEGO Tech and Play uh, request for proposals. So we had Secretaries of Education Working together with school leaders, together with teachers, we had to have those three le- three levels working together in these proposals, and that's what gave birth to the Creative
3: Learning Program, uh, Creative Schools Program. That is a great story. So can you tell us about the new work that BCLN is doing as part of the Legos Foundation's Learning Through Play with Technology Initiative called the Creative School Program? What's the goals for this work? And maybe describing an example of what's happening in a classroom or with children and teachers.
1: Uh, It's always so magical to hear about the history of Brazilian Creative Learning Network from in. So the Creative Schools Programme, It's a partnership with the school systems here in Brazil and the Secretaries of Education, as uh, Anne just mentioned. So we officially launched the program uh, with the Secretaries of Education in July last year. And we began the work with the first cohort of nine municipal and one state level secretaries of education that together have more than four hundred and sixty thousand students in our target age for this program, uh, which are the first half of elementary school here in Brazil. And in July of this year, we'll add another cohort to that work. And so our program is based on four main strategic pillars, which are our big objectives with this work. The first one is to provide professional development. So how can um, we foster a network of qualified, empowered, and engaged professionals that will transform this Q environment? Uh, The second pillar is the community engagement. So uh, how to create an active and engaged network promoting opportunities to spread the creative and playful learning and to inspire the community to be part of this and to be part of schools. Uh, The third pillar is the curricular integration and the classroom adoption. So uh, to promote different opportunities of hands-on and joyful learning experiences and uh, engaging and developing the the student through this process. And the fourth pillar is the advocacy and awareness for creative learning. So uh, talking about resources, supporting conditions, uh, recognition practices, uh, good practices, and public policies that can support all of this work in a managing level. So we are applying here a lot of the experience that the Brazilian creative learning already developed through these years and working with educators in Brazil, but now in a much larger scale and in a more intentional work that combines both movements. One is the organic bottom-up movement from engaging teachers that want to be part of it, but also another movement which is an intentional, defined scale, working with secretaries, leaders to develop the necessary conditions, the policies, and the structure to implement this project inside each school system, considering their uh, local conditions and possibilities. So last year, we focused on promoting professional development opportunities at the school and secretary managing level to help them create local professional development programs and to develop um, the internal training capacity that they need to expand this work in 2022. And in parallel to that, we promoted open campaigns and events to introduce uh, teachers to creative and playful learning and to foster this uh, community engagement, uh, to foster peer learning and experimentation through our webinars, uh, workshops, meetups, and all of the different resources that we also provide for the secretaries, such as an activity gallery, community area in our uh, portal, Uh, supporting materials, a virtual environment of learning. So we had to last year to adapt a lot of our work for the virtual environment too. So there are a lot of new uh, features and resources that we uh, created to support them in this period too.
3: So what's really interesting about what you described to me sounds like this almost connected learning ecosystem where the project really started in informal learning spaces and then kind of pushed into these formal schools to have a more systemic impact. Are you finding those connections between informal and formal learning environments through the BCLN? Is that working well or is the focus really on the schools primarily?
1: So, we are finding a lot of uh, opportunities for this curriculum integration, and how could we connect all of these experiences and all of this creative learning into the competences that we want to develop um, in a, a, a basic curriculum? And I think one important thing of this project is how can we learn from what the school systems are already doing in terms of good practices and connect these good practices and peoples uh, uh, to share all of these different experiences. Yeah, Anne, did you want to add there? I
3: think this,
0: this shift from informal education to formal education isn't easy. Mm-hmm. And we're resisting the informal education a little bit, mm-hmm. emphasizing, the formal education. Because what happens is when creative learning gets put in the classroom, it's used as a prize for Friday afternoon after right. <laughs> after the kids have completed the unit right. in a very traditional way, then they can do something fun on Friday afternoon. So we really want teachers to think about redesigning their curriculum. Where they start with a project. And through the project, they develop the essential ideas that are part of the curriculum. Um, but the motivation, mm-hmm. the curiosity, the questions come at the beginning through the development of a project.
3: Where are you now with the Creative Schools program, and what data are you gathering to inform current and future plans? The pandemic has
0: had a huge effect. <laughs> On the way that we've been able to implement <laughs> yeah. the program in yeah. Tech and Play so far, we've just completed the first cycle uh, for six months of implementation, and children weren't in schools in any systematic fashion. <laughs> um, right. So, Brazilian Creative Learning Network is based on bringing people together around hands-on activities. Sharing experiences, reflecting on them. And it's it's very people oriented. It's really bringing people together and and uh, sitting around a table. So we've had to change our whole approach to professional development by going online. That has also forced us to lower our expectations in terms of what we could do in the schools in this first cycle has been primarily on the secretaries of education, their uh, professional development team, and a few leaders within the school, within the actual schools. You know, getting them revved up and and learning a little bit about creative learning. Mm -hmm. This really puts our methodology, turns it upside down, because in a normal situation, we would have started the program having kids doing things in the classroom <laughs> with teachers, um, and then those, yeah. that excitement bubbles up to the higher levels. So it's really put a damper on the way, what we've been able to do in this initial first cycle of the program.
3: So can you tell us what you've learned
1: from taking the BCLN in this new direction? We are learning a lot in terms of the internal structures of secretaries of education. And one challenge is that each secretary of Education has its own characteristics, and that has to be respected. So working through their channels, uh, their communication channels, and the way they speak to their teachers, it's it's challenging, but it's the only way to sustainable scalability. So, that is why we are building our program to develop more and more autonomy of the secretaries of education over the learning cycles, which has a duration of one semester. And we are creating different kinds of instruments to promote this ownership. So, uh, for example, the idea of each school having its own plane for how they want to participate in the program, which we call my creative school plan. So in this plan, they look at uh, which opportunities could be added from what we are offering or from what what they are learning about creative learning that could be incorporated into the initiatives that the school already has. So looking at the different uh, dimensions, like the organization of their spaces, uh, activities to promote the engagement of the families and the broader community, um, create space for peer learning inside the schools um, to share the practice and etc. So um, I think the process of creating these elements of autonomy has taught us a lot about how to engage the schools and the secretaries of education to actively participate in this process with us? So I think another lesson
0: learned uh, from this first cycle that we've been through, the first six months, it hasn't been a full professional development experience for the people uh, participating in the program so far. Some of the teachers, a lot of the teachers who, who are new to the program haven't really grasped uh, the richness or the, or the nuances in what we consider playful creative learning. And they simplified what we mean by play <laughs> as the, the fun side, uh, games or doing something that's colorful <laughs> or any use of hands-on manipulatives. In some cases, it's creative learning is any activity that's done were you not using the blackboard? <laughs> um, I think one, one aspect of our uh, methodology is really to embrace people where they are. And with our campaigns that we run, one of the first campaigns that we did was the Hands-On Day Festival. We invited people to share their creative learning work uh, that they're already doing. And this was a way of getting people involved, getting people, you know, not to be intimidated by this project from Lego Foundation and MIT. And, you know, a, let's, let's look at what people are already doing. And so we had uh, over 800 activities posted on our portal, on the, on the gallery of things that people are doing, uh, which in some way were related to creative learning. Um, And when we went back and analyzed some of that work, a lot of it uh, was, you know, just fantastic, interdisciplinary, uh, in-depth projects, but a lot of it also was using different materials, but still being very controlled by the teacher. And so that we need to work on still.
1: What we want to see in the schools is to be able to look at the community and family engagement inside the school's ecosystem. And uh, we want to see the students and the teachers wanting to go to the schools. So uh, to create um, an environment that the kids feel safe and they feel uh, that they can develop their, their full potential. Like, um That they feel welcome and valued at the school. I think that's um, the most important thing to bring all of the other transformations that we have is to create a place that is like the students and, and teachers and school leaders.
3: That's great. I think that's a wonderful place to end. Actually, you know, we're so happy to be supporting you and to and to be collaborating with you, and um, really to be following this this story along. And so, we hope we can have another conversation down the road um, as kids come back into school. Um, I hope that we could do that, and we should plan on doing that.
1: That would be lovely. Thank you very much
3: for being by, Julie. See you. Okay. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to Participate. Want to get in touch with me? Check out our website at participate.com. You can tweet us at Participate, and I can be found on Twitter at Julie Kane. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we'd be thrilled if you shared it with them. Even better, give us a like wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks as always for listening.